0: Let's turn back over to John chapter 14, and I want to continue to talk about what I've called the Christian Survival Kit. I've got a teaching that I've had out for nearly 30 years on the Christian Survival Kit, John 14, 15, and 16, and there's 16 teachings in that. I haven't got time to go into 16 teachings during this seminar, so I'm calling this the Christian First Aid Kit. This is an abbreviated version. But it's going to be powerful, and I tell you, it'll help you. Last night we were dealing from John 14, 1, where Jesus said, "...let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me." And I spent all night long talking about that one verse. I gave the background. This was a crisis situation. I mean, a huge crisis, not only for them, but for the world. These were the people that God was turning His ministry over to. There wasn't a plan B or plan C. If these guys didn't work out, the body of Christ was dead in the water. All of everything that you and I are today, our heritage and everything that God has done was dependent upon these men fulfilling what God had given them to do. And I believe that Satan marshaled all of his forces and tried with everything he could to destroy them. And in between the crucifixion and the resurrection was a crisis period of time. And Jesus, knowing that, Called them together the night before his crucifixion and started reminding them of things he had said for three and a half years and started just telling them how to handle this and how to keep from being offended. So the very first thing he said is don't panic. Don't let your heart be troubled. How do you do it? You believe God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And man, that's what we talked about all last night. And then look at this in verse um, 2. He says, "...in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also." You know, this when you start talking about God giving His disciples instructions right before His crucifixion, it's really obvious that uh, why He said, "...don't panic, don't let your heart be troubled, believe." But then he starts talking about heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. How does that fit? And here's the way that I believe that this works. When we're talking about don't let your heart be troubled and don't panic. Grab hold of your emotions. How do you do that? Sometimes, you know, your circumstances can be so bleak that every time you see light at the end of the tunnel, it turns out to be another train. I mean, you can just get to a place to where... There, you have lost hope. It's really bad. How do you cope with this? One of the ways to deal with that is just to think about heaven. You know, if worse comes to worst, the very worst thing that could happen is you die. Amen? But that's not the end of everything. You've got heaven promised to you. You know, if you live 70 or 80 years here on this earth, that's going to be like the snap of a finger compared to eternity. We are going to spend forever and ever and ever and ever, a million, a billion years from tonight, we are going to still be existing in heaven. And sometimes we get so narrow in our focus, we only go to thinking about things. And I've had people come before and say, but I've been praying for something for 20 years. And it's just like they're saying, how long do I have to stand? 20 years is nothing. And I know some of you are just choking on what I'm saying, but really, if you put things into the light of eternity, it shrinks our problems down. It's not that big of a deal. Look at what Paul said over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is exactly the reasoning that Paul was using in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 16. Paul said, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction. Now I'm going to go on and read the rest of this, but let me just make this point first. Paul says our light affliction. And some people think, well, that's the difference is Paul just didn't have my problems. I don't have a light affliction. I got this huge problem in men. you just think that you have the worst problem that anybody has ever had. You know, hold your finger out right here. I'm coming right back. But look in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and let's just read about a few of his light afflictions. And in verse Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, and in verse twenty-one, he says, "I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak as a uh, fool. I speak foolishly." I'm bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? In parentheses, he says, I speak as a fool. What he's doing, he's saying, this is the way that a lost man would talk. A spiritual person wouldn't talk this way, but he says, you aren't listening to spiritual reasons, so I'm getting down on your level and I'm talking to you like carnal people. And he says, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reason with you like a fool would reason. A person that doesn't know the Lord. He says, are they Hebrews? So, excuse me, in verse uh, 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Normally, he would never compare himself and say he's better than other people. But if you're going to sit there, people were challenging his authority and not respecting him. And he had tried to use spiritual reasoning and they weren't listening. So he finally just got down on their level. All right, I'll talk to you and tell you. You're you're letting these other people speak to you? Have they done what I've done? Have these people paid the price that I've paid? You know, this is really great reasoning. I've over The longer I live, the more I respect somebody who has lasted over a period of time. You can see people come on the scene that are the the newest thing, and man, they got enthusiasm and excitement and it causes people to get excited and they want to follow them. But you know, I look at them and think, how much experience do they have? Because I've seen people come and go like a star just shoot to the top and they're exciting and they're gone as quick as they came. But you know what I really respect is people that have longevity in ministry, people that have been at it for a while. Man, that, it, it just is a miracle. It takes a miracle. You, don't, you could last for six months in your own strength. You can be the hottest thing. You know, you can go on television. And for six months, anybody can be on television. And you could cover the world until the bills come due. But it's the people that have stayed on and stay at it. And just day after day are just continuing to do what God tells them to do. I can guarantee you anybody who has survived in ministry a long period of time, you, they've got something that you need to listen to. And there's a lot of people that don't respect other people because they'll take an offense. I mentioned not long ago that I had uh, been with uh, Oral Roberts right before he died. And I was in his home. There was a group of ministers and we were asking questions. And it really impacted me and it was powerful. And I had some people write in and criticize that and say, man, I don't agree with Oral Roberts on this. And they were criticizing him and saying, how dare you uh, associate with a person like this. And I didn't even dignify their question with a response. That was just stupid. But you know, here's the deal. I don't agree with Oral Roberts on everything, but it's like if you were driving from here to Phoenix, and you know what, if a person has already been down that road ahead of you, you don't have to like them. They don't have to be your best buddy. You don't have to agree with everything, but if they've driven the same route that you're going, they got information that could help you. They could call you back and say, hey, there's a roadblock up here. The weather's bad here. Here's a good place to stop. This is a nice place to eat. If somebody's been there before you, you're stupid not to take advantage of what they've learned. And it's amazing how many small people cannot look past something and benefit from a person. I tell you, if somebody's lasted in ministry for decades, you know what? They've got something to tell you. And that doesn't mean you just swallow everything, but you need to learn. So anyway, this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. He says, are they ministers of God? Well, I'll get down and reason like a fool. Who's got got the credentials that I've got? Nobody had been persecuted the way Paul had been persecuted. Nobody had stood. So therefore, nobody had any right to sit there and criticize Paul uh, until they had done those things. You know, I've had people come up to me before and just start reaming me out and telling me things and i've just told them before i said look you hadn't done anything you hadn't led anybody to the lord god hadn't used you for anything why are you sitting here condemning and criticizing somebody who's doing it and you've never done anything i said go out and do something and then come criticize me amen that's really not a spiritual way to speak but it works And that's what, that's what Paul is saying. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measures in prisons, more frequent in deaths off of the Jews. Five times received I 40 stripes, save one thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned thrice. I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. have i been in the deep in journeyings often in perils of water you know some people just pass over this journeyings but jamie and i just got back from china and you know what this morning six o'clock boing we're just (laughs) it takes a while to get over jet lag and stuff and people think that oh it's so exciting traveling man i've been praying to be translated my first fifty trips across the Atlantic were exciting, and since then it is not exciting to get on a plane for eleven twelve i 've stayed on a plane seventeen nineteen hours at a pop. It is not fun you know what that's that 's tough and he 's talking about journeys often uh "...in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, not just physical things, but that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." These are just a few of his light afflictions. So let me make this point. When Paul said over here in 2 Corinthians 4:17, our light affliction, it's not because he didn't have any problems. Paul's problems were bigger than any of our problems. There's there's probably not a person in here that's been beaten with rods. That's where they hang you up and take a metal rod and beat the back of your calves and your feet until they break the bones so that it's painful for you to walk or get around. He was beaten with rods. He was beaten with whips. He was in prison. I mean, when Paul went into a town, you know, we checked into the hotel and we make a reservation. Paul would go by the prison and said, save me a spot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he knew he'd wind up there before the thing was over. Paul spent a lot of time in prisons and he was beaten and in stocks and he was shipwreck and Paul was rejected and things happened to Paul that have never happened to you. Paul's problems were bigger than your problems. And Paul said, it's just a light affliction. So let me make this point. If Paul had more abundant problems and worse problems than you've got, and they were just a light affliction, how can you justify you talking about your terrible affliction and how heavy your load is? And again, there's a lot of people that don't like me saying this because I'm taking away your security and you take great delight in thinking that you've got it worse than anybody else. There's people that enjoy that. There's people that spend a lot of time trying to convince people that nobody knows the trouble I feel. And you get pity and sympathy from people and you really like to think that you've got it worse than anybody else. Paul is saying it's just a light affliction. Not because he didn't have problems, but because of the way he processed it. It's the way you view things that determine whether it's a big thing or a little thing. It is not what's happening. Jesus was being crucified and yet he looked at the very people crucified and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It says 2nd Corinthians chapter, I mean 2nd Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Most of us take the little things that Satan puts in our life, just all of the problems that come our way and we magnify it. Your mind is like a magnifying glass, like a set of binoculars. Whatever you focus your attention on, it just gets bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Whatever you fail to focus on shrinks. It's like turning the binoculars around. Most of us are so focused on ourselves and our problems that they just become these huge things. And it's not our problems that's a problem. It's the way you process it and the way you magnify your problems that, that is the real problem. You can get to where you minimize your problems. Jesus looked beyond the cross and he saw you and he saw me that would benefit from His suffering. And He counted it well worth it. And He minimized the cross and the suffering and the shame of the cross. And Jesus' suffering was greater than what our suffering was, and yet He for the joy that was set before Him. Most of us aren't looking at our problem. It's like you get get to walking and your head is down, just looking right where you are and you forget where you're going and you forget what's out in front of you. It's like when you go to the zoo and you use one of those 35 millimeter cameras with one of those zoom lenses, you can either focus on the fence that's in between you and the animal and all you can see is the fence and everything else is blurred, or you can focus right through that and even though the fence is there, it disappears and you focus on what's in the distance. Your mind is like that. Your mind can either focus on the things that God is doing and the reward that you've got and the promises of God. And when you do, the things of this earth just grow strangely dim. They just disappear. And it gets to where it's just a light affliction. It's no big deal. Doctor told me I got cancer. It's no big deal. Jesus can heal cancer. It's not that important. And even if I never got healed, praise God, I'm going to go be with him. And you get to where it's just not that big of a deal. Amen. Some of you are in shock. This is what the Apostle Paul said. And you've got to remember that he had been persecuted. He says, in stripes, I'm above measure. I've been persecuted. I've had worse things happen to me than anybody else. And then he says, but it's just a light affliction. It's no big deal. You're the one that determines. You're the one that places value on everything that comes in your life. And we're the ones, our values in America are so skewed. You know, I praise God that I live in America. I praise God. I'm thankful for my country. I'm proud of it. But you know what? It, there are some serious problems. And one of them is we become so materialistic. There are some of you that are bummed out because you don't have a million dollar home. You live in a home, these homes that I was in in China. There's not a person in here. If you are living on the street, you've got it better off than people in China. And those people are just happy and thrilled that they've got it as good as they've got it. And yet there's people in here that are bummed out because they don't have this and that and stuff. We've placed our values on the wrong thing. We've emphasized this. We think that I can't be happy until I have five cars for one person to drive. Till you have five flat screen TVs and you want this and you want that and things that in the light of eternity are insignificant. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollar home made out of steel, doesn't matter if you've got gold, jewelry, diamonds. It's all going to be destroyed. The most important things in life aren't things. And yet we put all of... There are some of you that are working two and three jobs trying to get more and you don't need it. You'd be much happier to downsize and live within your means and not have to be under the pressure and all of these things. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching to (laughs) you. I'm telling you, it's true. And you are making yourself stressed out and worried because you have put the emphasis on the wrong things. We have valued all of this. Paul didn't have any of those encumbrances. And because of it, he was able to say, it's just a light affliction. I've just been beaten. I just got broken bones. I've been stoned and left for dead. And he got up and walked 20-something miles the same day that he had been stoned. If he wasn't dead, he was so close to it that the people that tried to kill him thought he was dead and left. And as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up. I personally believe he was probably dead and raised from the dead. No problem. Get up and walk 20 miles after being stoned to death. And it's just a light affliction. Amen. Let me ask you this. When you... When people come around you and they say, how are you? How do you respond? Are you one that man, they're sorry they asked because you're going to tell them every hurt and every pain and you're just going to be on the verge of tears telling them how bad your situation is. Don't get me wrong. I understand that people have problems. But are you going to magnify your problems? Are you the kind of person that when people see you coming, they want to turn and walk the other way because they know that they're going to be dumped on? You're going to put all of your trash, all of your garbage, all of your griping and complaining on the inside of them. Many of you hadn't thought of that, but I, I can guarantee you this is why some people don't call you and don't want to come see you. is because they are just they got enough problems without hearing all of your problems. Or are you the type of person that when somebody asks you, you're going to always bless them. You're going to glorify God. You're going to do something that will encourage people. And somebody's like, but but you you don't know about my problems. That's the problem right there, that you're focused on your problems. And you know what? uh, This friend of mine, matter of fact, it was right here at Pastor Bob's church, the other one over here, that Clifton Coulter was preaching. And I heard him say this, that the devil puts a little toothpick in your path. And by the time you get through focusing on it and thinking about it, it grows into this huge ball bat, and the devil's just beating your brains in with this little tiny toothpick, this little tiny thing that really in the scope of eternity is insignificant. But by the time you get through majoring on it, it becomes this huge thing and Satan's just beating us to death with insignificant things that don't matter. It's not important. How is it that Paul was able to say that it's just a light affliction? Well, he says it right here in the 17th verse, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. That's one of the keys right here. This is why Jesus, after he said, don't let your heart be troubled," believe in God. Then he started talking about heaven because you know what? When you put things in the light of eternity, when you start thinking about that, even if you suffer with something for 50 years compared to eternity, it's just a moment. It's just a snap of the finger. It's no big deal. When you start thinking eternally minded, everything gets a different value on it. Again, mentioning our houses and stuff. Some of us are just, you're, you're sacrificing your family. You're sacrificing your health. You're sacrificing all kinds of things. You don't have any time. You don't enjoy the journey. You are working yourself to death. You are... It's just destroying you because you've got to have this and this and this. And when you think about it, it doesn't matter if you live for 80 or 90 years here. It's all going to be gone. You're going to leave it to somebody else. It's not that big of a deal. How big of a house do you have to have to be comfortable? How many beds can you sleep in at one time? How big does your bathroom have to be for you to take care of business? You know, some of, some of the bathrooms I've been in in the United States are bigger than these people's houses in China. And yet people are just working and they are maxed out. And, the, and then when a recession hits, all of a sudden everybody panics because they are mortgaged up to their eyeballs and they haven't got any leeway, no give whatsoever. The Bible teaches against that, and yet the American dream is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. That's basically what the American dream is all about. And people are just stressing themselves out over things. That if you were to put it into the light of eternity, it doesn't matter how big your house is, it's going to be destroyed someday, it's going to grow old. It's going to, a million years from now in eternity, none of you are going to give a rip about what house you lived in. It's not going to matter. It's not that big of a deal. Your parents lived in a house less than probably most of you, and they were probably happier. They didn't have the stress. They didn't have all of this stuff. We have put the emphasis on all of this wrong stuff. And this is why Paul was able to say it's just a light affliction because it's just for a moment. Paul didn't care about all of this stuff. His values were on eternal things. What's important is your personal relationship with God and then the way that God flows through you and touches other people. Relationships. That's what's going to last. When a person comes to the end of their life and is ready to die, nobody says, oh, I wish I'd have had a bigger house. I wish I'd have had a nicer car. Everybody says, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. I wish I'd have loved more. I wish they'd like to have people around them. They'd like their kids to be in relationship with them. I'm telling you, one of the reasons that we're stressed out and stuff is because of our values being so askew. And it's because we don't think of things in the light of eternity. You know, the things that are bothering some of you right now, they may be problems. I'm not saying that we don't have any problems. But if you would just think a year from now, Is this going to be a factor? Five years from now, ten years from now, is the thing that is bothering you and keeping you from entering into worship and praising God and loving God, is it even going to be something you can remember? You know, I've kept a journal for nearly 20 years and I go back and read that journal every once in a while and it's amazing. Some of the things that bothered me back then, I can't even remember it. It wasn't important. It wasn't a big deal. It was just something that at the moment it gets your attention and you get to thinking about it. If you would just think of everything in the light of eternity, is this going to affect eternity? Is this going to make any difference in eternity? If you would look at things that way, it will shrink your problem down to just a size that it's not that big of a deal. Amen? This is what Paul is saying. It's a light affliction. Why can he say that? Because it's just for a moment... Paul probably ministered for 30 or 40 years at least and he was afflicted and he had all of these terrible things happen but it was no big deal because it was just for a moment, just 30 or 40 years. Amen. You know, the younger you are, the least you appreciate what I'm saying. Because when you're 10, boy, waiting until you're 11 is forever. But you know what, when you're 61... It's amazing how fast time flies. 62 is going to be here in just a few months, and you know what? And, and it's just not that big of a deal. It gets to where time, it, it just goes fast, and things aren't that important. We just we, It's amazing how Satan has gotten our attention away from the right things and onto all of this other stuff, and we're being stressed out over things. Just being thinking about eternities will put things into perspective. You know, I had a Bible college student come to me one time and it was on a Monday morning and he was just crying. And this guy always, always, always had a problem. Every time I saw him, I wanted to go the other way because he was always going to have a problem. He, it didn't matter if he'd have won the lottery, he would have thought about the taxes he had to pay. He just looked at the negative side of anything. It didn't matter what happened, he was going to find something to gripe about. And so this guy came into my office and he was just crying and he was beside himself. I had to wait for a while so he could get it out about what had happened. I said, what happened? And he said, I went to church yesterday and I was so hungry to hear the word of God. And he said, the preaching was awesome, but the two women sitting in front of me were talking and laughing back and forth. And it distracted me and the devil just stole the word from me and he was just crying. (laughs) I wanted to ask him, why didn't you get up and move? He never thought of that, but he was crying 24 hours later because two women were talking and it distracted him and he didn't get to hear the word. And I had just gotten off the phone with a friend of mine who his wife of 50 years had died. And I heard about it and I called him to see how he's doing. And he was just praising God and saying, oh, it's awesome. God is so good. The Holy Spirit's taking care of me. And here's this guy that had lost his soulmate of 50 years and he was praising God. But somebody had had people whispering and because of it, his whole life was messed up. I tell you, I just, the spirit of slap came all over me. I just wanted to take this guy and just blast him. And and of course, that's real obvious. But you know what? Some of us, if you would really look at the things that happen to you in the light of eternity, is it that big of a deal? No, it's not. And what that would do is just shrink it down. It's just for a moment. It's just for a moment. Think about eternity. This is why Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. I believe God wants us to prosper financially. But but if you don't ever see it come to pass, you're going to live forever in a mansion. It took Jesus seven days to create the heavens and the earth. Think about that. And yet he's been working on your mansion for 2,000 years. That's going to be some mansion. And if you never saw prosperity work here on this earth, You are going to live in a mansion on streets that are paved with gold. Everything is going to be perfect. And if you would just think about that, then you know what? It would enable you to say, man, it's no big deal down here. So what if I'm doing without a few things? Man, the compensation's coming. It'll be well worth it. I believe God wants you to be well. But if you never got well, you're going to live in perfect health for all of eternity. And you could rejoice in that. See, if you would just pick your head up and instead of looking right here at your problem, just look out in the future and see what God has done. And also look in the past and see how faithful He's been in the past. Just put it into perspective. And all of a sudden, your faith would rise. Man, God's been so faithful and then He's promised this. This little bit in between, this little bit of suffering I have right now is nothing compared to what God has already done, what He's going to do. And it would just shrink your problem down to where it's nothing. Man, that's good. And so he says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is the second thing that allowed Paul to just shrink his problems down, was he didn't look with just his physical eyes. He wasn't just looking at physical things. He was looking at spiritual things. There is a spiritual world. There are spiritual realities. We need to see who we are in Christ. We need to see things that you can't see. Paul said, we're looking at things that can't be seen. Some people think this is so confusing. But you can see with your heart. You can see things better with your heart than you can see with your physical eyes. There are things that you can't see. Right now, there's television signals in this room. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they aren't here. They're here. And all you got to do is put a television set up here and turn it on, plug it in, tune it in. And you know what? You can begin to start seeing the signal. But when you see and hear the signal is not when it comes. It's already here, but it's in an unseen realm. And likewise, there is a spiritual unseen realm. There are angels, there are demons in this room. There are spiritual beings. There is a spirit on the inside of you. You can't see it, you can't feel it, but I can guarantee you it exists. And you can, through faith, see what's going on. You can see the things that God... You can get visions from God. God can show you things. You know, when this um, recession, quote-unquote recession hit, people started talking about all this natural stuff. And I'm, convinced, I'm not saying that there hasn't been financial problems, but it's been magnified, it's been exploited, it's been overstated. They said it was comparable to the Great Depression, which is an absolute lie. That is a lie. It's not a mistake, it's an open, bold-faced lie. You know, the foreclosure rate during the Great Depression was over 50%. Over 50%. And I forget what it's been during this. I hesitate to say because I might be wrong. But I know at one time it was 4%, 5%, 6%. It's probably never been over 10% foreclosure rate. And yet they're saying this is like the Great Depression. Five times at least greater than this. Did you know in 1982 that the unemployment rate was, I think, uh, 10.8% in 1982. And yet the 80s were some of the most prosperous years that we ever had. And we were able to recover from it. And they say that the unemployment rate is as bad as the Great Depression. During the Great Depression, they had 25.7% unemployment rate. How can anybody objectively look at this and say it's the same? You're being lied to. People are emphasizing things. They're exploiting it. They exploit fear because it sells and does all of this kind of stuff. And so people get to looking with only their physical eyes and because of it, they get depressed and they get discouraged. You know what? Jamie and I, because of our covenant with God, because we are a liberal soul, God has blessed us. God is our source. He said he would supply our need according to his riches in glory, not according to what this world does. When they started talking recession, Jamie and I just went to praising God and believing God. And you know what? We have prospered, prospered, prospered more during the recession than we ever prospered before. We made 61% in the first six months in the stock market after the fall of the stock market. It lost 50%. We made 61% in the next six months. Some of you are thinking, you can't do it. I did it. We even talked to the guy that invests our money. And he says, you know, all of my clients have done good. But he says, it's, there's no explanation. You guys have done better than any other client. And I said, there is an explanation. He said, we're blessed. We trust God. You can look. You can see things with your spirit. And you can respond in the spiritual. You do not have to just go by what the news is saying, what the newspapers are saying. You can walk by faith. You can see things that can't be seen. You can get a promise from God and you can see yourself walking and running and jumping and praising God when the doctor says you're going to die. You can see yourself prospering when everybody else is braced for failure. You can see yourself accomplishing the will of God when everybody else is talking about nothing ever works and you'll never make it. You can walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul was talking about. Man, that's powerful. Brothers and sisters, I know Friday morning, this is the cream of the crop. You're the fanatics. And yet, I can guarantee you, there's some of you fanatics that aren't walking by faith. You're walking by sight. Your problems are big to you. And one of the reasons is because we haven't put it into the perspective of eternity. We're focused on things that are relatively insignificant. And we've forgotten the big picture we are walking by sight instead of by faith. We aren't looking at what the Word of God says. And this is exactly the reason that Jesus, right after He says, don't let your heart be troubled, believe, he, said, he started talking about heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. If your situation really is bad, and if it is so bad that honestly you can't see anything positive, then close your eyes and go to thinking about heaven. Close your eyes and go to thinking about that, man, this is only temporary. It won't last very long. Amen. If it lasts the rest of my life, that's really nothing. No big deal. You just go to putting it into perspective. And you know when you do this, it takes the pressure off. And all of a sudden the fear and the worry is gone. And your faith, your little mustard seed amount of faith is easier to work and you're minus the fear that negates it, and you'll find out that things will work better, and your physical circumstances that were so bad will actually improve when you quit worrying and obsessing over it. And you get to where you just cast the care about it over onto the Lord. It's no big deal. Amen. Look at this passage over in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse... Six, it says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And verse 7, casting all of your care upon him for he careth for you. Those are not disjointed thoughts. They're in a different verse, but it's, they go together. You humble yourself. In other words, recognize that you are not God. It is not your responsibility to make everything work. You just humble yourself. Father, I'm dependent upon you. I trust you. I'm relying upon you. And if you will do that, he will exalt you. God exalts the humble, but he debases those who walk in pride. And pride isn't only arrogance. Pride is just self-sufficiency. Those who think that they can do everything on their own and that they don't need God... Man, you are headed for a fall. When you humble yourself is when God will exalt you. And then it says, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is not a separated thought. You know how you humble yourself? Or here's another way of saying it. You know how to tell whether or not you are humble? Are you taking care about all of this? Are you worrying? Is the weight of your problems on your back? You are trying to make everything happen then you haven't humbled yourself because you hadn't cast your care over on the Lord. You're bearing all of this burden yourself. You can truly tell when a person has humbled themselves and God is truly their source and they aren't sitting there taking responsibility for everything because they've cast the care about it over on the Lord. You know, right now, I'm not saying this for, to promote myself or anything. I'm just using this as an example. But God has led us. Our Bible college is just exploding we can't contain the growth. And a long story, but we considered sh- shutting off enrollment. We considered separating our school into first year, second year, and third year, separating it from the ministry. And anyway, we prayed about it, and God just led us not to do that. And He gave us this piece of property that's probably worth about $16 million or maybe even more. And He gave it to us for $4 million. It was just a fraction of it. And we've got... It's this awesome piece of property, but... So I know that God did this and wants us to keep everything together, so we're in the process of building a campus for, I mean, a a large Bible college. It'll reach 3,000 or more people and send leaders all around the world to take advantage of the things that we're doing. So I believe that this is what God has led us to do. But in order to do that, it's going to take at least $30 probably closer to $40 million to build this campus and all of the things that are necessary to take our school to a level. And you know what? $40 million is a lot of money. But I can truthfully tell you that I have not obsessed one moment about it. I hadn't had one anxious thought about it. I have no problems. I have cast my care about it over on the Lord because I just have trusted God in this area. And it is not a problem to me. If I was worried about it and stressed out over it, that would be something wrong. But you know, I am in a position where God has led me in this way. I'd have had to backslide on God to keep from being where I am. And since God, I'm absolutely certain that God has led us to this point, then it's up to Him to provide that. The pressure isn't on me. I have lost a lot of sleep because of jet lag, but none of it. None of it over this property. And I just offer that to you that you know you can live this way. It doesn't matter what the challenge is in front of you, what the pressures are, you need to cast your care over on the Lord. You need to let humble yourself and say, God, this is bigger than me. You know, back when we had a thousand dollars debt and we had we had people turning us over to debt collectors, collection agencies. You know what? I used to stay awake. And that did bother me. I remember one time having a dream that I had uh, was in such bad shape I just quit the ministry and joined the Air Force <laughs> so that I could pay off my debts. And I'm what they call a lucid dreamer. My dreams are, it's hard for me to tell if I'm awake or asleep. They're so real. And anyway, I woke up. It was on a Saturday morning. I woke up. I remember laying in bed thinking, oh, man, it was only a dream. Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't. <laughs> you know, quit the ministry and go join the air force. And I was laying in bed trying to wake up and Jamie looks over at me and she says, you know, things weren't so bad that you had to quit the ministry and go join the air force to pay off the debts. And man, I just was shocked for a second. Like, Oh no, it was real. I really did. (laughs) Turned out I'd been caulking in my sleep and she heard the whole thing and she just kind of rubbing it in. But you know, back when our needs were little and if worse came to worse, I could quit the ministry and pay my debts. I used to worry about that. But now, I can't pay anything. Man, we got to have $2 million a month. You know what? I couldn't pay one month's worth of my debts. It's just bigger than me. It's actually easier now to humble myself because there's nothing I can do about it. If God doesn't come through, just you know, I'm dead. That's all there is to it. There is no way I can work my way out of this. And so I can just, I can easily say, well, God, it's your problem. There's nothing I can do. I can't hawk my house, sell anything and pay for that. I hadn't got enough money to pay for a week. Amen. And it's a nice place to be where I'm just not responsible. Amen. Praise God. So I'm saying that, see, we are looking at things and some of you are saying, but I just can't let my heart not be troubled. I, this is so bad. That's because you're so focused on this. And the more you focus on it, the bigger and the bigger it gets. If nothing else, just put things into the light of eternity. Say, Father, this is not that big of a deal. And you've brought me through things in the past. You're going to bring me through this. And if, even, if I, even if the devil was to kill me along the way, there's no disgrace in that. You know, people are so afraid that they're going to fail. I believe that God would be more pleased with you to step out and start believing Him and try something and fail. And He'd say, man, that's my boy. Amen. Rather than somebody who's fearful and just sitting there playing it too safe and you you don't do anything so you can't fail. And it's like a little kid when they start riding a bike. The parent doesn't browbeat them and criticize them. If they fall and it doesn't work, you get them up and say, "Look, you went part way, you can do it. Try again." And God's not the way that many of us have him envisioned. God is rooting for you. I believe that, you know, I believe that all of these things that God has led me to do are going to come to pass. But if they never came to pass, if something happened, if I lived to be 90 or 100 years old, never fulfilled that vision, if I never built those things, you know what? I've followed God to the best of my ability, and I believe I've got rewards, and God's going to receive me, and praise God, it'll be all right. Amen. I'm not worried about it. You just need to put it into the light of eternity. It's not that big of a deal. Amen. Amen. And I pray this is helping you. Yes. This really helped me. And, and this is the way I deal with things. When something gets to bother me, I'll just sit down and I'll go to putting it into perspective and I'll go back and rehearse my victories and I'll go to remembering how God has brought me through things. And that gives me a different perspective. And if that doesn't solve the problem, then I'll go to looking forward and look at all of the promises of God and how that someday this problem that I'm in is going to be over and it'll be nothing And it just shrinks my problems down to where everything is manageable. It's not that big of a deal. I had a guy who was a president of a bank that ran my ministry for a while. And when he came in and saw the way the ministry was going and that, man, we had all of these expenses and no guaranteed income, this guy just panicked. And uh, he came and told me, boy, we're in trouble. I said, okay. And then the next month he came and told me, he says, we're in trouble again. And I didn't respond. And I didn't pay. And finally, after about three months of this, he sat me down he says, you are not getting it. He says, you just don't understand we are in trouble. Something's got to happen. And I just said, you know what? I understand where you're coming from, but you don't understand where I'm coming from. I said, you haven't been through what I've been through. I said, I remember a board meeting where my board told me you're bankrupt. We're closing the ministry down. You are out of the ministry. And Jamie and I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, let's pray. And while we were praying, we had about $60,000 we were behind. This is back when that was like a year's income. It was serious. And um, we just were praying and saying, God, what do you want us to do? While we were praying, my mother calls and she had been opening the mail. And she said, we just got a check for $60,000 in the mail from a church that I've never been to before or after. They just sent me a check for $60,000 out of the blue. And you know what? Because of that, you look back and see when God came through then and when I face a problem now, it just affects the way I look at it. It's not that big of a deal. I've seen God come through before. He'll come through again. And even if I didn't have that history or something that would overcome it, I look forward to the promises of God and it just shrinks your problems down to where it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'm trying to get it, this across with everything that's within me, but brothers and sisters, some of you think your problem is so bad you feel justified in being in depression and discouragement and fear and unbelief and bitter and whatever else and you are fighting to defend your right to be offended. But I'm telling you that it's not that big of a deal. Nothing the devil can throw at you is that big of a deal. And since you've been born again, your future is so bright, you've got to squint to look at it. Man, if you win, you win. And if you lose, you win. It's just not that big of a deal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you get that attitude, it takes the pressure off of you, your faith. Your joy rises up. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Everything begins to work better. Did you know many of your physical problems would just dissipate if you were out from under stress and worry and care? Even the medical profession will tell you that that suppresses your immune system. If you just started rejoicing and thinking about the goodness of God and if nothing else, close your eyes and think about eternity and how good it's going to be then, your joy would rise up and you would be healthier You'd get over some of your problems right there. Things would begin to happen. People would like you better if you were smiling instead of frowning all of the time. Your relationships would go better. Your marriage would go better. Your kids would like you better. Everything would work better if you just start rejoicing, put things into perspective and say it's not a big deal. Amen. Praise God. Man, that's good news. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we're the only people on the face of the earth that have a right to be rejoicing even through everything else. In case you hadn't noticed, we live in a fallen world. It's bad out there. It's terminal. Every one of us is in the process of dying. You may not like to think that way, but it's the truth. There's not, unless Jesus comes back and we get raptured, every person in here is going to be dead. And if you just thought about that, you know what? It, it, it'd depress you. But put it into the light of eternity. And you can actually get to where, man, it's exciting. I don't have to stay down here in this fallen world forever. We got a better world, we got something better. I don't know if any of you ever saw this show, Tuck Everlasting. But I saw, I thought that was one awesome movie. And it was about these people that drank from this water and they lived forever. They couldn't die. You could shoot them, kill them, whatever, and they'd come back. And anyway, they were hiding out and it's a long story, but this, one of their sons that had this eternal life Fell in love with a woman and, and wanted to marry him. And the, and the father of this boy took her out on a boat and was talking to her. And he says, You need to seriously consider before you drink this water and live forever in this body. He says, He started basically talking about how terrible it was to live forever and to see all of this stuff. And he says, You can't die. There is no end to it, there's no end to evil and stuff. And he says, We're like a rock, we just are. And you know, that movie totally put a new spin on it. God never intended for mankind to die, but in a fallen world, did you know death is really a good thing? What would it be like if Hitler's could not be killed? If tyrants could not be killed? What would it be like if people were going to suffer forever in a body that their mind wasn't working and people just had to take care of them the rest of their life? What would it be like to have pain that you never got over? Death was never God's original plan, but for a world that is in decay and, and a corrupted world, death is better than living forever in this life. And you know what? We've got the promise of what heaven's going to be like. I read this book one time about heaven a woman who died and went to heaven, and she wrote about what she experienced. And it was so powerful that for nearly a month or two, I had to use my faith to stay here on this earth because, man, I wanted to go. I was ready to go. You can be like Paul says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm in a strait. I want to go and be with the Lord. You know what, if we got eternally minded and really got to thinking about things in the light of eternity, it'd be like, oh, it's no big deal. If I live, I'm going to glorify God. If I die, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to go and I'm going to experience everything that He's provided for me and you can just get to where nothing bothers you. It's no big deal. Amen. I know what I'm saying is strange and some people think, man, you just can't think this way. Well, don't wake me up because this is how I'm living my life and it's working and I would highly recommend it. I would highly recommend it. I tell you what, I am firmly convinced that God wants us to be of good cheer because He has overcome the world. And I want to encourage you with that today. God loves you. God is for you. And He wants you to prosper here in this life. But even if you didn't experience it in this life, He's going to guarantee that you'll prosper in the next life. You're going to win. You win, you win, you win. That's all that there is to it. If you are born again, you've already won. And you need to go to celebrating and rejoicing. And as you do that, it'll help you to experience that victory in this life. Isn't that good news? Thank you, Jesus. You know, I want to make sure that everybody in here knows the Lord personally. There may be somebody here who's not truly born again. And the things that I'm saying don't apply to you until you get born again. If you aren't born again, your future isn't positive. You've got real reason to be worried and to gripe and complain. Because it doesn't matter if you live in a million dollar home. You're going to someday live forever in hell unless you accept and receive the salvation that Jesus has provided. So you need to be born again to make any of this a reality. And then once you get born again, you also need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when you get power. And I I just promise you, you cannot do what I've talked about today to where you are seeing things that can't be seen and focused on eternity. You can't do that. That is not human to do that. It has to be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit give you revelation to be able to walk like this. And so you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That includes speaking in tongues. It's not limited to that, but it includes it. Actually, the number one thing that happened in my life when I received the baptism was that my spiritual perception, it just totally changed the way I looked at everything. I got supernatural revelation. The Word of God came alive. I got to where I couldn't open it without the Lord just screaming at me through the Word. That was one of the things that happened through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. If you don't have that, you must have it in order to be able to walk in what we were talking about today. Is there anybody here that would say, I need one or both of those. I either need to be born again and or I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you and help you to receive. Here's somebody over here. Anybody else? Here's a number of people over here. Anybody else? We had about, I forgot what it was, 50 or 60 people last night come and receive. Here's some back here. You know, I know this is short notice. Here's one over here. Some of you are thinking, oh man, I I think I need to think about this a while. Don't. If the Lord is tugging at your heart, look what you're thinking about it has done. For decades you've thought about it and still hadn't received. If the Lord's dealing with you, just respond right now. Somebody says, well, what are you going to do to me? We aren't going to do anything except pray with you and bless you. I'm going to give you a free book. You don't have to join this church. We're just wanting you to receive from the Lord. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive from the Lord. here today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. This lady drove down from Norman, wasn't it? Norman, Oklahoma. Praise God. Isn't that great? Awesome. Just come stand right here in front of me, facing the stage. We're going to have some people come stand behind you. So don't stand behind each other. Stand beside each other like this. Praise the Lord. Anybody else here want to come and receive? You know, there may be somebody saying, Well, I don't speak in tongues, but I don't think I have to. I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't need to speak in tongues. I believe it's possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm speaking in English. You don't have to speak in tongues, but I'm telling you, it is powerful. It will help you tremendously. I would recommend it. How many of you in here already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues? Would you raise your hand? Would you recommend it? Amen. So right there, those are a lot of people recommending this. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to be down here. Somebody says, well, I'm just not sure. Well, I am. So come forward and receive this. Amen. This will help you. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's thinking, well, I've already tried that and I didn't speak in tongues. And you just don't want to be disappointed again. I can guarantee you that if you don't come forward, you won't speak in tongues. You need to take a step of faith and believe God. And I've got a book that I promise you has helped thousands of people to speak in tongues. It'll help you. So I encourage you to please come. Even if you've tried and it's been a problem, you need to come and let us pray with you and help you to receive this gift. It's very important. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. All right, before we can pray with you to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you first of all have to be born again. Jesus is the giver of the Holy Spirit, so you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody here that's not certain about your personal relationship with the Lord? You don't know for sure that Jesus has changed your life that you're born again if you were to die right now are you absolutely certain that you'll go to heaven is there anybody who would like to pray first and make sure that jesus is your lord anybody if that's you i want you to raise your hand and we need to pray with you first are all of you born again are you absolutely certain i'm not trying to talk you out of it you just got to be certain there's a lot of people today that don't know they're just hoping so that won't cut it you got to know the Bible says when you get born again, you have a witness in yourself and you know that you pass from death unto life. Is everybody here sure of that? Amen. Well, awesome. If you're already born again, then the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what He created you to be. In your spirit, you are a temple. That's what He made you for. You don't have to wonder, will He give me the Holy Spirit? You were created to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. God wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to wonder, will He do it? Also, some people will tell you, but you got to be holy. If you have any sin in your life, God won't fill you. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you've got sin in your life, if you've got problems, that makes you a prime candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't let any sense or feeling of unworthiness stop you. God wants to fill you with His power and energize you so that you can begin to start living a holier life. Amen? So we're just going to simply ask one time. We aren't going to beg God. You don't have to beg. We're just going to open up the doors of this temple and let the power of the Holy Spirit come in. And then I'd like to ask my prayer ministers to come up here and they're going to lay hands on you. These are Bible college students, partners that we've trained. These are people that are all baptized in the Holy Spirit themselves. And the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit is given. So we're going to ask and invite the power of the Holy Spirit and then we're going to lay hands on you and release this power into you And then I want every one of you, after they lay hands on you, to quit asking for the Holy Spirit and instead believe that His Word is true, that God gave you the Holy Spirit and just start thanking God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. Whether you feel anything or not, we aren't going to go by feelings. We're going to believe God. So we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you and then I want you to start thanking God. And at that time, I want you to lift your hands because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. It's like these are your spiritual antenna. Amen. And it just releases the power of God. You bless God. And so I want you to lift your hand and start thanking God. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to pray in tongues. Because the Bible says when you're praying in tongues, you're giving thanks unto God. So we're going to start thanking God in this heavenly language. And I want you to quit praying in English and start speaking in tongues with us. And you'll start bypassing the fear and the doubt that's in your brain. You'll talk directly out of your born again spirit, and it's going to be powerful. I know you probably still have a lot of questions. I've got a book that will answer it, and I'll give you this book. But if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. You ready? The Bible says believers will speak in new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer, and I will speak with tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. And we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, you said that you want to fill us. If any person asks, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, Father, we just ask right now. We open up the doors of our heart. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and fill all of these people. Just come into their life right now and fill them with your power. Father, we welcome it. We desire it. We give you the rights and the privileges to come into our life. And we thank you for it. We lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power and anointing right now to come into every one of your lives. Father, I thank you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is just overwhelming people right now. And that your power is flowing into them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, that's the anointing power of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life right now. Father, we loose this power into you in Jesus' name. Now, let's put your hands up and start thanking God. Praising God for this power of the Holy Spirit coming into your life. Father, we thank you for this right now in Jesus' name. Start thanking Him out loud. Thank you. Talk out loud. Thank you, Father, for giving me the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that from this time forth I am God-possessed. The power of the Holy Spirit is on me. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's start praying in tongues and thanking God. And as we speak in tongues, you just speak with us. Open your mouth and talk. The Holy Spirit's not going to force you to speak. You have to speak and believe that the Holy Spirit is inspiring it. Just speak right now. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But your tongue's gonna be your tongue. It'll be unique to you. You can't say what other people are saying, but you gotta start talking. Once you start talking, don't quit. Just keep speaking. Let's just worship God right now, all of us. Let's praise God. Thank Him for these people receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive this. Thank you for your power flowing in their lives right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father thank you jesus hallelujah praise god let me have your attention here for just a minute you know whether you spoke in tongues or not i believe god is faithful he said if you ask you receive i believe god gave you the holy spirit but you need to learn how to cooperate Speaking in tongues isn't something that comes on you and just overtakes you and forces you. I can speak in tongues. I can speak in tongues right now. I can stop speaking in tongues. It's under my control. And this is the number one thing that took me... After I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it took me three and a half years to speak in tongues. But that's because I was a Baptist. And I had so much fear in me about speaking in tongues that it just... I was confused and it took me a while to get to where I can speak in tongues. But I've written it all in a book. And uh, it's important that you understand this. It's important that you go ahead and speak in tongues. I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. But you need to cooperate and speak in tongues. So I'd like to give every one of you one of these books. And I encourage you to please read it. Because you've got to get the full understanding. I promise you what's happened to you today is one of the most important things that's ever happened to you in your life. I believe outside of salvation, it's the most important thing that can happen, but you've got to understand it to be able to get the full benefit. This is a powerful, powerful thing that's taken place, but you've got to walk in it. So you've got to understand it. I'd like to give you a book, and I've got Ashley right here, the young man with the Bible up. He's going to take you to a room, give you a book. If any of you need any explanation, questions answered, or a prayer... They'll pray with you there. But please, if you would, go. And we want to give you a book and be a blessing to you. Make sure you get the full benefit out of what happened. So if you will, just take a moment. Go with Ashley. We'll share with you and you'll be able to come back. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, that's great. That's at least, I'm not sure, but at least 75 or more people in two services that have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, that changed my life. I believe it's going to change these people's lives. Again, these are our prayer ministers. These are people that are either Bible college students. If you see the ones with the lanyards on, they're Bible college students. Um, Or they're partners that have gone through a training session with Melinda right down here. She's the lady that runs our prayer ministry and I tell you they are ready and willing to pray and agree with you and I'd like to ask if there's anybody that needs prayer for anything physical emotional financial or whatever your need is if you just want somebody to pray with you and agree if you'll come forward let one of our prayer ministers here pray with you and lay hands on you and we're going to believe God for miracles amen so if that's you if you want prayer for anything come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you We've got people standing at the aisles and they are going to direct you towards a person so that you all won't get on one side. It'll help speed things up. Please cooperate with it. And we're going to pray with you. Last night we saw a lot of people healed. You know, last night there was over 500 people watching on the internet and many of them were getting healed as we called things out. And so if you're watching over the internet right now, we believe that God will minister to you too. Man, the Holy Spirit can touch you right where you are. So just release your faith. If you need prayer, come right now and let one of our prayer ministers just agree with you. The rest of you, in just a moment, I'm going to release you. Let me remind you that we have services tonight at 7 o'clock and then tomorrow morning and tomorrow night, 10 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock at night. And then right after the morning service, we've got a meeting about our Bible college. And brothers and sisters, we've got... We've got more need uh, to minister the gospel and open up Bible schools and do things around the world than want we have people to do it. And I'd like to really encourage you to pray about that. If nothing else, just come and attend the meeting and listen to what's going on and find out and just see if this is something that the Lord would have for you. So that's right after the morning service tomorrow morning. If you want to stay and pray with us, you're welcome to do so. If you need to go, thanks for coming. Remember the rest of the services and the materials that we have out here. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. And don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we love you and we just thank you that it is your will for every single one of us to be well, to be completely well. So we pray with these people and right now we release our faith. We release the power of God that indwells us into these bodies and we command sickness and disease to be gone. We command poverty to be gone, oppression, depression to be gone. Father, we loose your power to flow through these people right now and thank you Jesus that you are touching people's lives thank you Father for setting people free you know I believe that right now there's a lot of people that have been suffering with depression it's been broken over you right now I don't know what the source of it is but I believe that the word the Bible says in Psalms 107 verse 20 that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. I believe that the word of the Lord has gone and is healing people, setting them free from depression, especially people watching by the internet right now. Wherever you are, God is healing you of depression, setting you free. It's just broken right now in the name of Jesus. If you're in this auditorium and if God is setting you free from depression, if you really believe that that's you and you receive this word, I want you to stand And raise your hand so I'll see who it is that I'm praying for. And we're praying and I believe God is delivering you right now. Anybody else? Here's a couple over here. Here's some right here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just agree. And right now we profess in the name of Jesus that our heart is not troubled. We are going to believe in God. Father, we're going to look back. We're going to look forward. We're going to put things into perspective and realize our problems are only for a moment. We are going to see with the eye of faith. And we are not going to just look on physical, natural things. And Father, I thank you that you deliver people from this right now. Depression, oppression be gone now in the name of Jesus. We break your power and command you to loose them and let them go right this moment. Right this moment. Now I want you to start praising God. I don't care what you feel like. Praise Him by faith. Thank Him that you've been set free. Start focusing on the fact that you are free. That God's word is true. Praise God. I want you to start rejoicing right now. Those of you that were dealing with this depression. Start thanking Him. Out of your heart. Thank Him out loud. Father, thank you that I am free. Thank you, Father. That I have love and joy and peace. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit working in my life. Hallelujah. I just refuse discouragement, depression in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody here's got numbness going down your right leg. You've got, for some reason, you've got numbness. Who's this with the numbness in your right leg? Right here's a man. Anybody else? Anybody else here that's got numbness in your right leg? Here's another one over here. Anybody else? Here's another one. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just release this power. I believe that that's your Holy Spirit that spoke. And I command this numbness to leave. For feeling to come back into this leg. And whatever caused this problem, I loose the anointing of the Holy Spirit. To touch their body and to go to the root of it and heal it. So that, Father, this problem will not come back. We agree and we receive this miracle. And thank you, Father, that they are healed. That feeling is coming back into their legs right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Somebody here has got a problem with your scalp. I, I don't know what it is exactly. But you got a, uh, I don't know, an itch, a growth, um, Something. It's not just dandruff. But you got something here with your scalp. Who's this that's got a problem with your scalp? Anybody else? Here's one right here. Anybody else? If that's you, I want you to stand up, raise your hand so I can see you. Praise God. Father, here's the healing power of God. I release this anointing, and whatever this problem is, we command the itch to be gone in the name of Jesus. We command any kind of a growth to be gone. Father, any kind of an irritation, a skin problem, we just release the anointing of God and command this to be healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I want those of you who are receiving this prayer to just begin to thank God thank Him that it's done. Thank you, Father, that we are healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody here has been battling real bad indigestion. You have some serious problems, not just occasional, but I mean it's nearly constant with you. And you've tried a lot of things to be free from it. You do not abuse your body and yet you still have this uh, indigestion or acid reflux, those kind of things. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you right now. Who's that that's dealing with this? I want you to stand. Here's people raising their hand. Anybody else? If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Praise God. Here's people over here. Father, we agree right now and in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, that causes this problem. We just speak the word of God and say that you are healed in Jesus' name. We command that burning, that problem to leave in the name of Jesus. Praise you, Father. That's the anointing of the Lord right here touching your body. I believe that you are being healed right now. If you had pain before, before we were praying, I believe that pain's leaving you right now, instantly, being gone. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. And we believe that anything that's been damaged that you're anointing now heals that. And we receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I believe that's the end of this. I believe that's over. And don't go out and pig out and do something stupid just because you're healed. But I believe you can eat anything that's good for you. Amen. In moderation. I believe you're healed in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We receive this healing. Praise the Lord. There's somebody watching by the internet right now that you got a ringing in your ear. I don't know what causes that, but right now, here's the anointing of God touching you, and that ringing is stopping right now. Here's the power and the anointing of Jesus touching you. And isn't this awesome? I don't know where you are, it doesn't matter about the distance. You can be on the other side of the world, but right now, that ringing stops in the name of Jesus. It's over, won't come back. Thank you, Father. We just agree, and whatever it was, it was damaged in their ears. I believe that you heal this right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God! You need to receive that and call us. You can call our helpline and let us know what happened. I'd like to hear the testimony, and that's awesome. Our helpline is seven one nine area code six three five eleven eleven. Or I had one person say that they didn't have an 11 on their phone. So for those of you that don't have an 11, it's 719-635-1111. Praise the Lord. Oh, and I did announce that we start at 7 on Saturday night. It starts at 6 on Saturday night. I'm sorry. Uh, Hopefully those of you that are here will remember it tell somebody that's already gone. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive all of these miracles right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for touching these lives. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. You are such a good God. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. We believe that we receive. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it looks like everybody's being prayed for. Again, I'll dismiss you. Don't forget, we have service tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow at 10, and tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Amen. Don't forget the materials. We do have copies of these services that are available. You can get them down there. They're already duplicated. We already have CDs and DVDs of this service and last night's service already produced. So you... Please take advantage of it. Praise God. You're dismissed. God bless y'all.